DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to bring in Mike Smith, Utah Jazz Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Mike, good morning. Good morning. Not sure if you guys can hear me, but I could hear you fine. I don't know what happened. <laughs> we can hear you. It's all it's all set now. It's like we just had to hit reset the way the Jazz have to hit reset. Oh, nice. Thank you. <laughs> and I don't think any of this specifically tells the truth. You can say a team's lost five of six or six of nine, but they were missing Rudy for some of those. And then you can say, oh, they're not going to have Donovan, but Houston and Detroit aren't any good, and they ought to be able to win when they're shorthanded. Of course, they just didn't beat Detroit when they're shorthanded. So a lot of it, it isn't so so much, and PK loves this, the numbers don't really tell the story. It's more the feeling. And right now it doesn't feel good. And it's deeper than that. How much does that really pull on a locker room? And how much can a locker room just let all that stuff go and just play the game that's in front of them? That's a great question. Uh, Depends on the locker room, right? Um. I played on Celtic teams that nothing seemed to phase them, right? Of course, they'd won three championships in the 80s. And so when I joined them in 89, we went through a little lull and started two and six. And, you know, the coach was a brand new head coach, Jimmy Rogers. He, he called a team meeting after we lost in Detroit. Bird had eight points in the game. It snapped some crazy 700 game streak where he'd scored double figures or more. And, and, you know, we weren't going to practice that day because it was a travel day, but he brought us all in and, and we signed about a thousand basketballs in this little room. And, you know, coach this then addressed the team and it was really odd. I mean, it's granted, it's like my first two, three weeks in the NBA. And here's this coach who says, you know, some words to the team, which took about five minutes. And then he says, he, he looks at Larry Bird and he says, and, and oh, and I should tell you this, Larry, after the Detroit game, had called himself a point forward because some reporter had asked him, you know, what, what's up? You only scored eight points first time in, you know, 750 games. And Larry said, oh, I'm just a point forward at this stage of my career. I don't get shots. I don't. So he kind of went off a little bit, got his message out there. And so coach, like in front of the whole team, just, looks right at Larry and said, you know, doggone it, Larry, you got something to say. You say it to me and you, you address the team. You don't take it to the media first. And then he continued and he went on and, you know, whatever else he had to say. It wasn't long. Granted, we'd been there for an hour. We'd signed a thousand balls. We were then just going to go at our leisure or optional shooting practice and leave. They called it a travel day back in the day. And we wouldn't even have come in, right? We had just flown in that morning. <laughs> so coach then says, uh, before you guys go do what you got to get the, you know, done training or rehab or therapy, anybody have anything to say? <laughs> DJ and PK, Larry stands up. He looks right at the head coach. <laughs> and he says, I-, I can't even use the language on radio, but you MFers <laughs> right at the coaches <laughs> listen and pay way too much attention to what the media thinks and says. He says, all we need to do is play better defense. Now, I suggest we go practice. (laughs) We weren't supposed to practice. We went and practiced for two hours. It was like my first indication who was running that show and who was running that team. So I guess it depends on your locker room. Like, 
is your is your best player your strongest personality is your best player the one who can motivate others and get them to step up and I, I think the numbers guys do tell a story and that's to, even though they've lost like you guys said five of six six of nine and there have been extenuating circumstances but they still have the seventh best home record. And there's been some debacles at home, games they should have never lost. They still have the fourth-best road record. And if you take road wins versus home losses, which kind of balances out who's played the most at home and who's most on road, only Phoenix, Golden State, and Miami are ahead of the Jazz in that category. So I'm not hitting any panic button. But I know the visuals and I know the eye test of late say, whoa, something's wrong. You obviously played with some strong, strong leadership. I mean, legendary, all-time. A hundred years from now, they'll be talking about Bird and, and the other guys that he had on his cast. And so right. you saw it firsthand. The Jazz are an interesting situation because they've got some veterans. And, you know, Mike Conley, he seems outwardly, he's very uh, insightful when he speaks. But I don't know how much of a strong presence he is. And then you got foreign guys, and you wonder, can those guys really do it? And then you got the younger guy in Mitchell, and it seems like Mitchell, he's so willing to put himself out there on all sorts of issues. It's obviously not just even by any stretch of the imagination really reduced or limited to basketball. We've seen that a million times over with him, and more power to him as far as I'm concerned. But I'm wondering if they have that guy says, listen... This thing isn't going to get away from us here. We got a really good team, and we got a shot, and we need to do A, B, C. Do they have that guy who can stand up and augment what Quinn Snyder and his staff are trying to get done? The best, the best answer to that is, I guess you don't know. Sorry for the garage opening; too loud in the background. But Donovan is your best leader, no question about it. Right? Like, he's, he's really good. And he's becoming a fantastic player, not just a really good young player. At 25, the things he's doing now are, are remarkable. His shot is improving. The range is improving. Uh, his ability to get a shot going forward, like downhill and facing a guy, is so much better than it was even a year ago or two years ago when he relied on spins and euros and these leaning layups which he was great at but I I just watch his game being refined and then his assist is is playmaking you go back 24 games right now he's averaging almost five and a half assists do you know how many guys in the history of the game averaged 30 and 6 in a season like very few it's a handful LeBron's only done it twice. Jerry West twice. Oscar did it a bunch. But Harden's done it, of course, when he had the ball in his hands every single play and shot it every single time. Westbrook's done it once. Rick Barry once. But Kobe never did it. KD's never done it. Steph's done it once. Um, I mean, that's where Donovan's headed, in my opinion. He's going to have a 30-point season with a six-assist season. That's like otherworldly stuff. So he's your guy, and he is the strongest personality. It seems like, to me, Mike is your second-best leader because he's so full of integrity. 
But I think you're right a little bit. He he's more reserved. He's more quiet. He doesn't show it, you know, with big demonstrations. And he's quiet and thoughtful and a thinker. So off the court, you know, he's reflective, which is good. You want that guy. If you have the other guy who steps up, stands out, and speaks, we had two alphas in Boston. Like McHale and Bird were both always the loudest, loudest in the locker room and loudest on the court and loudest in the timeouts. Um, that was good for us because we had a bunch of big personalities. And I think Rudy's your next best leader. The other guys aren't, and Bogey never will be, but that's okay. You don't need him to be. You need him to shoot and score. And by the way, the reason they lose to the Lakers is Bogey, Donovan, uh, Rudy Gay, and Bogey go one for 26 from three. Like, it was an anomaly game to me. It was a fatigue game, a schedule loss, if you will. I never, I never thought they were going to win that game just by the nature of the travel and the back-to-back nature of it. I just thought, no. The Lakers sitting there waiting for them, coming off a huge loss. I, I just didn't think they would. Now they had a chance. So, PK, you know, we don't know yet, right? But those in my ranking of three, Donovan, Mike, Rudy, are your three biggest. It's hard to do it in another language. I've done that. I've been the loudest personality in the five years I played in Europe on an Italian team and four years on Spanish teams. And I was fluent in Spanish and close to fluent in Italian. And it's hard to do it in your second language to really show what's inside you because your mind's constantly thinking of how do I express myself and thus sometimes your true personality doesn't come out. But anyway, I hope that hope that answers that. Mike Smith joining us to see him on the Jazz pre-half and post-game shows. The trade deadline is coming up, and there's lots of rumors out there, and most of them probably won't happen. The name that's caught my attention, Jeremy Grant. Detroit. I'm not convinced if I'm the Pistons, I'd trade him. They're going to have cap room. They got Cunningham. Whether it's a free agent signing or whether it's a lopsided money trade and they take on a lot of salary, it seems like they got a chance to see where this can go going forward. But let's assume they are going to trade him. I think he could have a big impact on whoever he went to, obviously depending on which team and what they had to give up. Am I overestimating the impact he could have on a Western Conference playoff race if he showed up here? Is there somebody else you're looking at? Is should he be target number one for a team trying to make a major move? What do you think? It's a good thought. Um, yeah, I'm sure Detroit, you know, is total in total rebuild mode. So they'd probably be willing to give him up for draft picks or some young talent. And yes, he would help a squad. No question about it. Uh, I didn't think he was the guy, right? Like when he came out of, is it Syracuse early on? I just... You know, I know his fathers, um, his father and his brother. They're my era, right? Harvey and Horace were tremendous players. Uh, I'm I'm impressed with what. Mike, you there? We lost you. All right, well, we lost him. Yaka work on getting him back. I'm impressed. Technically a jinxed interview right there. <laughs> that did not. The technology, well, technology bit the front end and the back end of that interview. We, we haven't had that very often, so I, I think that was, that was a scheduled uh, 
glitch. You guys there still? Yeah, now we got you. All right. We just lost you mid-word there. You were talking about him coming out of college, and you didn't think he was a guy. He was was a second-round draft pick, so you're not alone. I mean, obviously teams like the potential, but he lasted to pick 39. Yeah, and he's impressed. Like, he's he's surprised and overwhelmed me, and I thought he was going to be a 12-point guy and last for 10, 11 years and be an okay player. He's, he's done really well, especially with the opportunity. So uh, I guess the point I was making when I went away is that I think he'll help whatever team. And if he becomes your third or fourth best player on a team, that's a good, that's a good get. And I also said Detroit, I think, would be willing – since they're in complete rebuild mode, to move him for young talent, for picks, for all those things. I don't know if the Jazz have enough to make a move like that. And I don't know if you're the Jazz, you want to break up something that's, you know, technically working and has the chance to work. And do you, do you blow up chemistry and for that? Because they do have a good locker room. they got guys that fit. But, hey, Danny and Justin and Ryan – I think they got one goal, <laughs> and that's win a championship. So uh, I, they will not hold back if they think a move is going to work. I know that about Danny. I don't know if it was on this show or another show that I was on maybe a week ago. Somebody asked me about the personality of Danny. I said, listen, he is not, he's not Ben Hogan. He's not a U.S. Open golfer. And maybe this analogy doesn't apply to anyone but PK, who does understand the inner workings of golf but pk i'm a i'm a fairway and green u.s open type player give me my 15 pars and three birdies i'm happy danny goes for broke on every hole (laughs) and so when i play him and we play a lot and it's super fun he always orchestrates this game you know like uh bogey or less right he because he's going for every five he's trying to drive every green he just he goes for things. It's his personality. And he's, you know, on the basketball court, he's that guy. And I'm the other guy, right? And I grind and beat his butt most often. But in this role, he's perfect because he's not afraid. He's earned his stripes. And if there's a deal to make happen, he won't be afraid to make it go. Yeah, that's what you basically just answered the question that I was going to ask because I know you know him well and you've known him well for many, many years, probably as well as anybody in the organization, really. And and now you're, you know, you're not a decision maker, but you are part of the organization now. Uh, As far as that goes, uh, and I I can buy it. You know, I've been around him a little, not nearly as much as you, obviously. And then obviously we've all followed him from a distance for many years and. We know he's going to fight, scratch, and claw, literally, to get what he wants. We've seen it in his playing days. There's just yeah. no doubt about that. I'm wondering uh, what you think of how that's going to mesh with Justin Zanuck and Ryan Smith. Well, um, I know Ryan, second best of that bunch. And I don't know Ryan, the executive, or the businessman, as much as I know Ryan, the golfer, and the friend. And so uh, I, he's a competitive guy, too. And so I, I've been on buses with these guys and, you know, on a BYU golf trip and playing nine rounds in 12 days and sitting on the front of the bus and just talking our tails off about sports and basketball and, you know, life. 
And so, uh, obviously, I know Danny the best. I know Justin the least. And that's just because in the last three years with COVID and this garbage, you know, we, meaning the broadcasters, haven't really been able to have the access that we used to have where you're down on the floor and you can have those casual conversations and get to know people. And so that's been limiting in our role, and hopefully that will change. But, I mean, I know Danny from... It's funny. People would say, uh, well, you guys go back to BYU together. We we really don't, right? Danny's six years older. And so he's the great player that I grew up watching. And, you know, he and Devin Durant are the two that inspired me to go to BYU and kind of continue that basketball tradition. And so I, I don't really know Danny from those days. And then if you think about it, I don't know him in my playing days because the year I, before I get drafted by Boston, he's traded to Sacramento. He only plays half a year there, and then he goes to Phoenix and Portland. So now I know him as an opponent. And sure, there's a bond because we both played at BYU, and he knew all my Celtic teammates, so he's in our locker room after the games. But still, I don't get to know him, right? Like, we haven't had time together. But when he starts broadcasting for TNT, and I'm now finished playing and broadcasting Clipper games, I just called him out of the blue and said, I'm coming to Phoenix. Clippers are playing the Suns. Do you want to go tee it up? We'd never golf together. We'd never spend any time together. And it was like an immediate, not just bond friendship, but competition at the highest level. Like he'd been scratch golfer since he was 16. I was recently a scratch golfer. And like, we just went at it. But the banter and the fun and the, the, I'm just going to say the high-level discussion of either the intricacies of golf and the subtleties of that game, but also it evolved into everything to do with sports, you know, basketball, strategy. I mean, we've had discussions to the nth degree about why doesn't basketball hire a, an offensive coordinator like football? And why doesn't basketball have a guy sit up in the stands who's on a headset and, you know, can communicate with the bench. And, you know, why don't we do this? And, and, and so, I mean, we've had those talks for the last 20 years in every way. So personnel and so the guy's a winner and the Jazz are lucky to have him. And I, I think great things are in store. I mean, I think you've got the foundation of a, a young, great team. And for anybody who's like, thinks you can make an easy move in the NBA and get another great guy. It's really hard. And like, I I would even ask the two of you, Donovan is so good. I, I almost dare you both to find me someone you would trade Donovan for. I'll give you anyone in the NBA. Who would you trade him for? Anyone right now. Like okay. Just throw a couple. Just throw a couple names. Uh, Booker, I, I, every name I wanted to throw out there, I dismiss because they're too old and they're starting to break down. I wanted to go Durant. I'm like, I can't throw Durant Giannis. out there when he just got injured no, again. You're right. You can't go for yeah. another one. Uh, the Joker, Giannis, the last two okay. MVPs. Okay, so those are both maybes. Like, like those are both to be considered. But those are almost the only two. Uh, I've heard people tell me John Morant, and I'd be like, Nope, I won't do it. Can't shoot. Would you do Booker? Because I know a lot of people would say Booker. Yeah, but you've got to have the perfect point guard mm-hmm. to make Booker great. 
right? You've got to have a Chris Paul. You've got to have that kind of, you know, A-type leader who's just can dominate the ball and get him the ball in the perfect spot. And Booker's great. Don't get me wrong. He just went for 48. He went for 30 the game before. He, he shoots it at a different level, and he plays in the mid-range. But again, ask me that question like, Mike, would you trade, and I'm the GM, Booker for Donovan straight up? I'd probably say no. Like, I, I just, I think Donovan has more. And that's yeah. crazy, right? That's, that's how good it, he is. You, so really, only Joker and Giannis are your two choices. But if you already have Rudy, you don't need Joker. And they're not going to mesh together. And so does Giannis play with Rudy? And it's probably not. That's how good the foundation of this team is right now. So it's more about can we find little pieces that make us better? Can we make a tweak here? Can we find, you know, everyone says, let's go get a wing defender. It's easier said than done. Luka Doncic. That's a good one. Another great question. And, you know, probably the best young talent in the league considering he's 21. (laughs) So four years younger. But again, until Luka gets me to the conference finals, I'm going to say no. Right? Like, I don't know that they can get there the way he handles the ball so much. But he's incredible. He's incredible. And give Dallas credit right now because I think they've won 9 of 10. 8 of 9 or 9 of 10. And I kind of was counting them out like these guys are not going to win. And Jason Kidd's got them playing some good ball right now. Mike, we'll leave it right there. We appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you on the game tonight. Jazz and Rockets, 7 o'clock. You'll be on the pregame show with Alema at 6.30. Okay, PK, give me an idea. When does the weather get to be golf weather? Since I haven't lived here before. Well, it depends on where you live, man. If you want to go south, you can uh, get it almost any time. But, uh, That's true, huh? <laughs> you're going to have to wait till mid-March. Or oh, maybe, no. Maybe you just have a couple of days and you get on a plane and you go to Palm Springs. There you go. All-star break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. Have a great one. All right. Thank you very much. Mike Smith joining us. Jazz broadcasting right there on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Sniggy, when we come back, I'll give you the one reason why he would never trade Booker for Mitchell. That's next. Stay with us.